I know. It happened again. Lightning struck twice. Guest lightning. Oh, God. <laughs> Are the guests on strike along with yeah. the L.A. teachers? Oh, my God. Yeah, that finally got resolved today. So last day the kids are being home. They're not happy about it, but they're going back to school tomorrow. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I hope the teachers got everything I wanted. So, yep. Everything's in a news blackout, so we have literally no idea as of this podcast recording. So, But I- I'm sure they got close considering they would have not... Accept right. I mean, it, it's uh, still, as you were saying, yeah. uh, so the teachers union just needs to vote on it to right. ratify it. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, if it gets resolved and the teachers get what they wanted and, and the uh, venture capitalists that run the school board uh, had to acquiesce. <laughs> yeah, then it's a win. Then it's a win. Mm-hmm. I mean, really a six or seven day strike is not. Yeah. I, I mean, I was worried that this was going to just be like. Well, I talked to the teachers. I mean, we went to the picket lines and they, they were saying, you know, the last strike lasted about two weeks. The one before it lasted like uh something like six to eight weeks like something like long like almost two months yeah i'm like and i just rolled my eyes i'm like oh my god because that'd be a nightmare for everyone for the teachers for the kids the administrators the parent everybody i mean a two-month strike is a disaster it would affect this show yes <laughs> probably it would affect the show you were able to kind of <laughs> yeah, squeak yeah. through it mm-hmm. with this <laughs> for adjustments two weeks, for yeah. two weeks but yeah but two months is another story <laughs> would have been there would have been some garage episodes yeah. or something yeah there would have been a few um or there would have been two kids with headsets here watching us record <laughs> In separate the, rooms yes, because they've just yeah. been fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've been beating the crap out yep. of each other. A cobra and a mongoose, as my dad used to say. It's, a, oh. <laughs> it's like a cobra and a mongoose, you and your brother. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, you know what? It's funny. Like These teachers, they've been negotiating for two years. Two years. So if somebody says, hey, you know what? We don't have the money, but we all want the same thing. Let's try to figure it out. That's a great excuse for about six weeks. Two years, it's a con. Yeah. Then you're um, then you're playing pool with Robert Redford or Paul and that's Newman. When, that's when you have to call their bluff and go on yeah, strike. Yeah, and then they had to go on strike. So uh, There's a similar uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Chicago Teachers Union just put out what they want. Mm-hmm. Their contract is up June 30th, and they just put out, this is what we want. Right. Like, we're giving you a chance to fig- figure this out. Mm-hmm. Look what happened in L.A. Look yeah. at all these teachers' strikes. The, the teachers have won. And the thing that L.A. had a lot of cloud is the second biggest school district in the uh, country. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, under, just underneath New York. Chicago's the third. So so we, um, as a family, we uh, we went to see Mary Poppins over the weekend. Well, so, uh, so we'll how was talk- that strike movie? We'll be, we'll be talking about that for sure. Um, so we're going to be talking about a lot of movies today. We're going to talk about Vice, Mary Poppins Returns, um, Beautiful Boy in 8th Grade. And uh, we've got our Patreon sponsors. We're going to be talking about some cool trailers, some DVDs and Blu-rays, and uh, some very odd movies coming out in the theaters. And I, I know why it is, though. This is We're getting into the dumping ground for theatrical releases. People want you to catch up on Oscar movies, and we're yeah. getting ready for the bigger releases. So now... Uh, they haven't quite figured out every once in a while a good movie sneaks in here, but mm-hmm. it's it's rare. And real quick, so they they announced uh, Oscar nominations came out this morning. Yes. We're going to do a little separate episode, thirty mm-hmm. minute, just kind of going through it. it. It won't be the. We'll also we'll do the Doug Benson should will mm-hmm. who will. So we're just going to kind of go through the uh, announcements. We won't go through what we think we should win until we get Doug Benson. Yeah, we'll here. go into some snubs mm-hmm. and whatever else yeah. that happened. Uh, but that'll be a separate episode. Yes. Um, so buckle up for that, you sons of bitches. Hmm. Um, uh, all right. 
So let's uh, let's talk. Speaking of uh, politics, and uh, let's talk about Vice. You finally saw Vice. Now I will say this: going into Vice, seeing the trailers, and also you know reading a little bit about the film, uh, reactions been all over the map. Best movie of the year, great performances. To I've actually seen worst movie of the year, and uh, I was worried before I, I hear what you have to say about it. This is what I was worried about this movie that would be like W, where it was just right. kind of like you know liberal porn of like a polemic, so where it, yeah, right. where it was like you know you're not showing me anything I didn't already know, and you're not you're not giving me any new information. You're just you know reinforcing a specific viewpoint. I was worried about that too. Mm-hmm. I saw the trailer and was like, "All right, you know, we got a lot of wacky wigs and haircuts. Right, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to buy this." Um, and weight gain, weight, weight loss, weight gain, <laughs> you know, prosthetics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Crazy accents and whatever mm-hmm. else. You know, yep. and uh, but I, I, you know, Adam McKay, he's a good director, and he, yes. and, and overall, he did a good job. Is there some liberal porn business in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some, but he also really, in the way that he did with the big short, give you a lot of details that you probably weren't aware of. Right. That I at least wasn't aware of. And I'm sure a large portion of the of the audience who saw this movie was like I did all the specifics of Big Short, even some of it was kind of hard to follow. Right. Um but you know, he did a good job. I mean, the one thing in Big Short you know, Steve Carell and those guys are not heroes, those characters in Big right. Short. They're kind of made out to be heroes. Like, mm. they were just trying, they all made money. Mm. They didn't give their money back. They didn't go, oh, we're going to help all these people get back in their homes. Right. They're just weasels that weren't as we like they saw bet, the writing on the they wall. saw the writing on the wall mm. and profited from it. They right. profited from all of this misery. Yes. So those guys aren't heroes. Adam McKay kind of depicted them as heroes. That was the one thing right. I was like, all right. So this... One of the things that he does well, well, first, Christian Bale does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, He's almost unrecognizable. Almost unrecognizable. And we were ha- when I was on this other podcast, um, Who Shot You, the Max Fun one, uh, which is, we had an interesting discussion. We were talking about um, Destroyer. And, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about Destroyer on this show yeah. in terms of, you know, uh, A-list act, especially when an actress, pretty actress plays, goes ugly, that's she's trying to get an right. Oscar and we were talking about that. This is is different because Destroyer is a f- piece of fiction. Hashtag ugly Oscar. Ask, <laughs> hashtag ugly Oscar. Um, because he's playing a, an actual person. Like when mm. Meryl Streep played Margaret Thatcher and, and right. you know, it's, it's, it's actually an easier sell for me because Charlize Theron and Monster. Well, that was a good one. Charlize yeah. Theron, and they did a good job of making her look like that actual woman. Right. And so I was like, wow. And also when you're when you're doing something like Margaret Thatcher or Dick Cheney, having a big name actor play them actually fits because here's a larger than life person being depicted by a larger than life person. Mm-hmm. Whereas Destroyer is just a fictional character. It was one of the things that didn't work for me in Destroyer. So, so, so there's that. And Christian Bale does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And he says that, you know, because Adam McKay likes to do improvisational directing, he likes to let, because he comes from an uh, improv oh, yeah. and sketch background. I used to do stand-up with yeah. him many years ago in Philly. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was in, um, he was in a, a, an improv troupe in Chicago. I yep. knew him and a lot of those, Matt Besser and those guys. Mm-hmm. So he comes from that background. And I think it, it makes his 
it makes these the, the the people seem human and relatable when he's directing in that style. And mm. but you got to have actors that can do that. And so Christian Bale said he had to really do a lot of research so that he could improvise in character. That's a tough thing to do, right? Um, and uh, but he had that you know uh, Dick Cheney you know credence. I sound like Johnny Carson when I'm doing mm -hmm. it, but but he really he really did. A, a decent job. The thing that I think he was pretty good with was how accurately Cheney and that White House circumvented the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, it's liberal porn in that he doesn't really hold any other any other White House any, any <laughs> accountable for any of their crap. Right. <laughs> you know, the end of the Big Short. Um. He, in my opinion, didn't go hard enough at Obama for not. He just said, all these people were prosecuted and this will never happen again. Then he goes, oh, wait, which is like, oh, shit. But he didn't flat out say Obama should have done more, which he mm -hmm. should have. So there is that Hollywood liberal slant to it that makes it seem like the Republicans are bad only. Mm -hmm. That being said, Dick Cheney and George Bush are fucking war criminals, right. in my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, and it's good in some senses for this movie because it shows you all of the little specific conniving ways and how Cheney, you know, w the, the, the lineage worked for Rumsfeld during the Nixon white house, you know, yeah. was buddies with a young Anthony Scalia and all of that stuff and how they sort of stacked everything up to defense contractor at one point. Mike Cheney, or he, uh, after. he worked with after, okay. After um, he, uh, and there's a funny thing in the movie I don't want to give away. In the middle of the movie, there's a fucking hilarious thing that Adam McKay does that's fucking great. It's, it's really funny. But like, you know, he got into the, after Nixon, he got into Ford and he was the one who concocted the plan of, look, anyone that's, we just need to distance ourselves from from Watergate, you know? Um, and then, you know, g gets in the George Bush, George uh, Herbert Walker Bush, you know, gets mm -hmm. in the Reagan and the Bush uh, camp. And then um, how you, like, he's, like, I was like, when he, they nominate him as the VP, I was like, who is this guy? You see, oh, he's been a Republican insider for a long time. He, and after, uh, George H.W. Bush lost to, to Clinton, that's when he went and started working for Halliburton. But he had already helped pass laws privatizing all of these things in the military, mm -hmm. which is what Halliburton did. So there's a lot of like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe they got away with this shit. But then you need to do that for all of the last seven presidents eight like i mean like you need to do this for a long time because they all got away with a lot of shit mm -hmm. you know um zbigniew brzezinski uh armed the mujahideen ahead of the soviet invasion of <laughs> mm -hmm. you know i mean like we could all go into that but mm -hmm. but as a film i i did like it and it does have funny adam mckay things in there mm -hmm. you know where he's like i can't begin to know um and and the person doing the voiceover i can't begin to know what dick cheney was thinking at that moment when he first hatched the plan that you know 
because he's asked to be the VP and he's like, I don't want to do this. You know, there's a scene, they're at a party and, and George Bush Sr. is like, thanks to, and you see how his wife, Amy Adams plays it great. She's, she's the like Lynn Cheney. She was mm -hmm. the like, got him on track, you know, and made him the man that he is, you know, kind of thing. Um, and that relationship is great. The acting in it is great. So as far as just a movie, it's a very entertaining, good movie. And I think it provides a lot of information that people didn't know about the intricacies that what that White House did. But then, you know, and then there's just funny stuff. Like, I don't know what they could possibly, was it some sort of Shakespearean thing? And then like, you see the Adam McKay humor I don't want to give this away, but there's some funny ass shit in the movie that makes cool. you laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there's a scene very much at the end of Stinger that's just sort of like, <sighs> I was like, all right, that's the like. For the sequel. <laughs> yeah, it was just more, that was where I was like, yeah, you just made the thing for liberals to mm -hmm. high five over. Right. And you're not holding the whole corrupt system accountable. Mm-hmm. That's my point of view. Okay. That's why I, you should go to Political Vigilante. In my <laughs> um, but well, good movie. So it is good. Not okay. best picture of the year. Right. But mm -hmm. good. a couple good performances. I mean, I like Christian Bale. You know, he, he got the nomination and, you know, he did a good job in it. I mean, he really. Now, is the movie, um, like if you had to, if you had to name the tone, is it satire? Is it? You know, over-the-top comedy? What, no. What is it? No, it's not a comedy. It's not satire. It is a... You can't really tell from the trailer. No, and that's part of the problem mm -hmm. is trailer editors don't know what to do with a movie like this. Right. They mm -hmm. want it to be wacky satire or... Mm -hmm. It's a... It's real serious. It's a, it's a dramatic depiction, a dramatization of actual people and actual events that has some funny jokes put in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that has some funny interpretations of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's usually clearly the jokes aren't like, ha ha, wasn't it the slapstick gang at the White mm -hmm. House starting an illegal war in Iraq? It's like right. the joke is like clearly an Adam K joke. I don't right. want to give the jokes away, but just like, well, I don't know what happened here for sure. So I'm going to do this funny thing in here to help explain it just to sort of like comic relief because the shit they got away with is you know insane it's insane mm -hmm. it's insane all right so check out vice um did okay on the academy award nominations yes, that's for sure yes, so we'll did. talk about that so i saw mary poppins returns with the family and uh i and interesting thing is uh, i was reading the the um trivia and some of the trivia is absolutely fascinating like uh um Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke are both in the film. They're both 93 years old. No way! 93. And Dick Van Dyke is dancing on top of a desk. Awesome. And they even said, um, they gave him four options for his dance scene with varying degrees of difficulty. He insisted on doing the hardest one and refused any help while filming the scene. And but he apparently he looked so good for 93, they actually had to make him look older with makeup <laughs> and so I found that absolutely um, fascinating. Now, this movie, I'll tell you, it came out at really the right time because everything's going to hell, you know, in the, in the world. There's nothing but bad news. It's, it's been awful lately. And this movie is a nostalgic throwback to not only musicals of the 50s, 
but also of like that magic of big studio movie making that had singing and dancing and big stars and ultimately at the end of the the movie just made you feel good like you know it was one of those feel good it's not gonna there's no problems are going to be solved <laughs> giant things are going to be solved in this there's no giant heart-wrenching scenes in this you know there's the the um it's it's human emotion, it's connection, and it's ultimately joy. The movie is supposed to bring joy, and that's and that's what it does. And that's what those mm-hmm. that's what especially that 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 era of seventies Disney Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yes. Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. Those were just fun, right? Joy musicals, I mean, musicals. Yeah, yeah. And um, the one thing I really liked too. Um, was that the director, Rob Marshall, he wanted to do a hand-drawn animation scene that was reminiscent of the original Mary Poppins. Uh, the studio was like, said, no, we want to do it all computer. And he said, no, we're going to be fucking doing hand-drawn. And uh, he got his way. It was an entire hand-drawn scene. And they got old Disney animators out of retirement <gasps> to actually work on the scene. Oh, that's amazing. And it is the most beautiful, the most magical scene in the entire movie because what it is, it's a mixture of the old classic Disney animation, but with the new technology of making it look almost 3D with the characters interacting. Like the original Mary Poppins, everything's flat. It's like Mary Poppins is dancing with penguins, but you know, you can tell like they're animated over and like it was cool at the time, but you really didn't get that depth and 3D feel. But And, you know, the argument is always, well, you can't do that with 2D animation. You know, it has to be 3D animation to really get immersive like that. Not true. This movie proved that argument wrong. And I knew it was a wrong argument all the time. You just have to let the artists do their thing. They're in a car. They're in a, uh, you know, they're in a, um, uh, a nightclub. They're in this, you know, there's these beautiful hand-drawn animated scenes but then the camera's moving around Mm -hmm. and um it looks fantastic like it looks like these 2d animated characters and images are coming to life with the 3d live action characters like like to the point where you've never seen it before that oh wow and the reason is is because nobody does 2d animation anymore and if it is a 2d animated movie it's not going to have live action people in it like uh, because that's always the go-to if you're going to mix live action and animation it's always going to be 3d computer animation did it really, did it make you go, yeah, I'm glad we saw this on the big screen? Like that scene's particular, did it need that to be That scene the... particular, yes. Yeah. You know, there were other scenes like, you know, they're just in the house through the bank or even some of the other fantasy scenes were good, but that one was like, oh my God. It, like, it, it's so good that you're like, well, I would kind of wish the whole movie was like <laughs> this. Yeah, and, uh, but again, too expensive. He can only get his way for one scene. Um now, the movie itself, the acting's great. Emily Blunt's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, she's really good. She really... Um, she's not amazing. Let's, let's look at her for a second. Yeah. She's an amazing actress. She and really she is. she keeps getting more, mm-hmm. uh, like, diverse in her roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember when she did the first, like, badass action movie? We are like, huh? Yeah, yeah. The the, the, uh-huh. the cute girl from the rom-com, the girlfriend, right. is now like an ass kicker. And now here she is doing Mary Poppins. Like, she's yeah. a really versatile actress. She was fighting time monsters. She was fighting, yes. you know, sound monsters. And yeah. now you know, and now she was Mary Poppins. And uh, um, Mary Poppins came out in 64. So, but, so that means, and again, another great trivia um, item is that it was released 54 years later which is a record for the longest gap between a live action film and its sequel in history. Wow. 
So I will say this. It, it's not a perfect movie. Like, it, it does what it sets out to do. It's supposed to be a fun, nostalgic, um, joy-filled Disney animated live-action fun family movie. It, it achieves that for sure. Where it falls a little flat is that, uh, you know, is the songs. Like, the songs were a little just kind of flat like uh like like you expect a movie like this especially because it's been in development for so long and music is such a large part of it these songs are gonna you know the guy from hamilton the songs are gonna be amazing and they weren't they were just okay so that 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 was probably the the most disappointing part like um but they weren't bad they were just okay but like give you an example like when you saw frozen like i remember seeing frozen thinking these songs are fantastic and then halfway through let it go i'm i'm in my head i'm like well that's Academy Award nominated song, and sure enough, it did. It, it got it got nominated, um, but there was you never. You just hear the gold yeah. statue yeah, jingle. Totally, the- totally. When I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to be nominated, but uh, but for a movie like this, like there wasn't any of those standout songs, which I was a little surprised at. Um, you know, everything from you know, fly kite, super califragilistic, like there was never any of those really standout songs. They were they were okay, like they weren't like oh these songs are horrible, but it wasn't like that. You wanted just a little bit more out of the uh, the songs and the score. Um, but really, I mean, the kids liked it. My wife liked it. I liked it. It, it was a really good, fun, joy-filled, nostalgic movie. It just wasn't perfect. It, it could have been could have been a little better if the songs were better. Um, if it was a little long, it could have been a little shorter. But I know the original Mary Poppins was long, too. Um, I think they were a little bit too slavish to the beats of the original movie like well we need to recreate the original movie like you know these are the banks kids grown up and we're going to be on the same we're going to be in the same street and you're going to have some of the same characters or or their descendants or where i'm like well you don't really have to it's mary poppins you know she's a magical nanny she could go and do wherever she (laughs) whatever she wants uh and you know she doesn't age so it could be a completely different family it could be any of those things um but they chose to kind of stick a little bit too slavishly to the um, original, which I don't think was completely necessary. Um, but other than that, like I said, it was just a fun, you know, fun family movie for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and speaking of a family movie, you saw uh, yeah, Beautiful a, Boy. It has a boy in it and uh, a father. It is a family <laughs> movie. Um, so this movie is based on two books. One is The Father... Uh, David Schiff's book, A Beautiful Boy, A Father's Journey Through His Son's Addiction. And then Nick Schiff wrote a book called Tweak because he was a meth addict. Mm -hmm. So it really is combining those two actual accounts. And then the co-screenwriter Luke Davies is is himself a recovering addict. Uh, He wrote a book after he got clean uh, called Candy, which was then also made into a movie in 2006. So... They did a really good job depicting drug addiction mm-hmm. and how it affects the family. And, um, you know, Steve Carell does a really good job as this super concerned father who, you know, kind of does everything you shouldn't do when you have a son that's in that. You try to do that and you hope it's going to, you know, and... And you meddle and you monitor their life too much. And, and you know, you see his journey of like having to come to grips with the fact that no matter what he does, his son's going to be an addict. Mm-hmm. And if his son gets clean, it's not going to be because of him. Right. You know, um, and that's a thing you have, that's a really hard thing to deal with if you've ever 
either come from a family with addiction or had a loved one that was an addict who just their behavior does defies logic. And you're like, what are you doing? You know, this kid, like you got accepted to college. What do you like? What do you, and, and the kid, man, he does, he does an amazing, uh, he does amazing job. Um, of I'm, I'm, what's the kid's name? Um, who's in it? Um, Charlotte, the kid, uh, I don't have this from. Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet. He does a really good job of like, and you see too, and this is the case with any, with alcoholics or drug addicts, but especially drug addicts, they relapse numerous times. Mm -hmm. Like they, and the thing it's it's based on this ha these you know these events happen so they do a good job of accurately depicting it you keep waiting for the hollywood like polish polish mm -hmm. and the rainbow comes flying and everything's great and you see like man and you know Morna Tierney plays the stepmom and so they have two other kids and you see it you see like how it affects the little stepkids who look up to their older half brother and you know and you see the mom they're divorced and she's in LA and um you know it's it's a really it's a really uh well-made gripping pretty fair account of of how a family how how, how this affects the entire family mm -hmm. because it's like I mean, it's a disease. It's like if you if if, if you had a, a kid that was you know had leukemia or cancer or something, it would affect every aspect of your family's life. It would affect the other kids in the family. It would affect your money. It would affect your job. It would, you know, they do a like Steve Carell does a lot of great scenes of him just like not paying attention somewhere, right? You know, um, at work or the other kids, his younger kids have a swim meet or you know just like and you're just like wow, and you see the pain and the emotion of it. Um, it's been a lot of, um, kids in crisis movies this year. <laughs> uh, this movie, the Julia Roberts movie, you know, Boy Erased. It's been a, a, a lot of them came out this year, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what people don't realize is that, um, movies take a very long time to go into development and, uh, uh in production. So it's always a weird coincidence when, similar ideas and themes get released in the same year because there's so many variables. Yeah, there's a lot of variables. Right. But I think sometimes too is like one of them gets greenlit and then everyone goes, well, let's... Let's piggyback well, if on If they're greenlitting, then yeah, this yeah. other script we have that's similar, let's get that made. Yeah, there's that too, for you know, sure. Because that got Julia yeah. Roberts. Well, this one, yeah. well, how about we'll get Steve Carell? You know, mm -hmm. so... Yeah. But it's, it's you know, and it... It's like the... You, you watch great this. marketing means. Oh, people like uh, kids in crisis movies. Let's uh, let's greenlight two or three. Junkie more kid, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Grab it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you see the the family have to figure out how to get to Al-Anon meetings. You know, right. like as someone that's been that's done that, I'm just like, eh, let's go to Al-Anon. You're not going to be able to change anybody. <laughs> it's never going to work. Never going to work. They're going to do what they're going to do. You just got to take care of yourself. Um, but like. Uh, yeah, it's a really well-made movie, and, and you and, just save some people a lot of time going to those meetings. Yeah, yeah just, just you just summarized just, the entire thing. It's never gonna work. <laughs> You're never gonna change them. Um, and you know, uh, just kind of, and we'll go into it in a separate episode. Just kind of glancing at the um, Oscar nominations, it 
I might put this under the shun category. We'll mm. go into that a little more, but it's okay. a, it's a good film, and it's it's worth watching mm-hmm. um, if you can see it. And there's great performances in it, and and well made, and feels pretty accurate. You right. know. Um. So I saw Eighth Grade, and this is a movie I've been wanting to see for a while. So I finally got a chance to see it. And Bo Burnham is a um, like a mid-twenties comedian, but he also was a YouTube star when he was mm-hmm. uh, young, when he was a teenager. So he's actually drawing a lot of those experiences as he made this movie. Because this whole movie, it's about a girl's last year of eighth grade, actually last week of eighth grade. and But it's told through the lens of devices and social media right. and all those things that these kids are on all the time. And as a father of an eighth grader, this movie resonated particularly well with me. Because <laughs> um, we all watched it together. Uh, my wife, my daughter, and I, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we were laughing at, like uh, everything from, like, you know, being on the device all the time to, uh, you know, just being snippy and cranky all the time. You know, we, my uh, 13-year-olds have two settings, sullen and irritated. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> so uh, that was depicted very well in the film as well. And... Um, one of the things that I found really, really interesting about this movie is that it got some Golden Globe love, but, you know, Oscars kind of shunned. And one Mm. of the reasons I believe, you know, I don't have no proof to support this, is that because the older Academy viewers, the older Academy members would have no idea what's going on in this movie. Right. You know, unless you um, are very young or you have a child that's about this age that you see what they're going through your um uh your a- your ability to relate to this film would be limited mm-hmm. and because it's the kind of film that if you're kind of in that world which is a lot of people um you get it and understand it and you see why it's hard and you see you know the truths that are being revealed from this film however if you're 80 year old academy member or even seven, you know there's no way you would relate to any of this because first of all, you barely understand what they're doing on the phone. You know, right. that's like Instagram, Snapchat yeah. and all those things. Like there is a joke. The filters. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, no one uses Facebook anymore, mom. You know, like there's, there's <laughs> lines like that. that also made us all laugh. Um, but it was really, um, I was trying to figure out like what it reminded me of. And then I, it kind of came to me. This is a, um, a technological YouTube version of Welcome to the Dollhouse. That's oh, really okay. what this was, for sure. Like, uh, you know, this this girl is an outcast, although, but, you know, she comes alive when she does her videos for YouTube. She can't figure anything out. You know, she's she's angry and lashing out. She likes the boy that barely talks to her. You know, all those things, like, sure. you could kind of see. And, you know, there's girls, the pretty girls are mean to her. You know, that... Um, and, pretty girls are the worst. Yeah, yeah. They... they um, they don't understand it's not gonna uh, it's not gonna last. <laughs> um, so it's it's a, a great mix of Welcome to the Dollhouse and also it has those tropes but told in a different way of like, you know, a John Hughes movie, like a Sixteen Candles or something like that. Um, so I think it's a it's a really interesting but it also felt a very personal story. Like like the filmmaker, even though the filmmaker is male and the lead was female. Um, it doesn't matter because what they were going through at that age was the same, you know, dealing with right. peers and social mm-hmm. media and, 
you know, there's, it didn't really get into cyberbullying as much, but you could tell that there's, there's definitely that element. It's, it's always there. You know, the clueless parents that are, you know, they're never going to understand you. You're 13. You know, it's never like, uh, no matter what the parent says or does, no matter how loving and caring the parent is, like in this movie showed, you know, when you're 13 and the whole world feels like it's closing around you, you're going to lash out. It doesn't even matter. So, and, and it has some great moments and scenes like that um, where you have the lead and, you know, she was, Elsie Fisher is the lead and she, she is, does a fantastic job. She just graduated eighth grade when she was shooting it. It really shows everything she was trying to do. It was like, you know, at one time she's angry and, um, you know, lashing out. Another time she's so insecure and just wants to break down in tears and, you know, bad things are happening, good things are happening. It's, it's a complete mix. But the whole point is that it's difficult to navigate right. at that age. And right. that's, that's what this movie shows so beautifully. It's all difficult. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter right. who you are, where right. you're at, it's mm-hmm. difficult to navigate. Yes. So, and that's, that's what this movie showed. And I really uh, thought it was a really... Great heartfelt movie. It it, it was a. Um, I, I do the one thing I do have a bit of a problem with is the the rating. I mean, it's a it's a rated R movie, so what it is is kind of eliminating a lot of the kids that, that should be seeing this movie. Oh, right. Like you know, a seventeen year old. I'm like, no, the you know every thirteen year old should see this movie. And the reason it was R is because there was a little bit of sexually explicit talk, but there was nothing graphic that was being shown. It was just like researching some stuff on the internet and then, you know, her putting her headphones in really quick. But those couple seconds of like sexually explicit material that was not shown but talked about, boom, R rating. So uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So really, I mean, this is a PG 13 with a couple of um, arbitrary R moments in it. So if you do have a 13 year old, especially one that, you know, is having difficulty navigating all this. It's definitely a, uh, it's not only a good movie, but it's also one of those movies that you can point to and say, see, you're not alone. A lot, everybody's kind of going through this. So it's, I'm glad it was made. Yeah. So it was a a good film. God, I hated being 13. Yeah, we all did. I don't miss that at all. Mm. How horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Then you're in the school with all these other weirdos. Middle school is the worst. It's the worst. You know, everything's, you know, it's uh, it's fun and cute in in grade school, and then middle school is the worst. Then you, everything slowly gets better in high school when people become people. Yeah, you yeah. start as you mm-hmm. kind of get up, right. grow, start to become a young adult, yeah. and you find your friends and what you kind of you start to figure out what you like and don't right. like. And yeah, middle school is just this black oh, hole of misery and hormones. It's <laughs> all I remember is bad clothes, yeah, and hair and mm-hmm. skin problems yep. and boners at any given moment yeah. that you weren't didn't want just and then to, getting made fun of for no reason no because reason. the other kid next to you is going through the exact oh. same thing and just uh, has no other outlet but to yell at you and then you, <laughs> and then you lash out yeah, yeah, yeah you, exactly. you, you no one's handling it right because you're <laughs> right. dumb 13 year olds yeah yeah your parents don't care no because they shouldn't because 13 year olds are stupid yeah <laughs> um, so yeah so all right so uh, check those movies out for sure. Um, Graham, we've got our Patreon sponsors. They haven't gone anywhere. No one's, God uh, love No them. one's canceled you, mid-January. You guys, it's great. I want to just wrap you up in a blanket and take you on a camping trip. Yes. Um, digitally. Digitally. <laughs> no, I want to do it for real. Yeah. <laughs> and then murder you and have nobody know where to find you. At least for three months until your credit card Yeah, out. just three months. <laughs> So we should add a CFN camping yeah. murder trip, murder camp trip tier. Yeah. It's a couple hundred bucks a month. 
And you may or Hashtag may not. Hashtag camp murder tier. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's a CFN mm. murder camp trip. You know, and um, for an extra $20, you could choose your method of murder. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, drowning. It's um, right. bear mauling, whichever. <laughs> That's a premium tier. Ha- hiking accident, <laughs> yeah. in quotes. And a rock slide. Rock slide. So, or going to a national park where there's no rangers on the payroll right now. Yeah. So there's, there's, that, there's that danger as well. Stumble across mm-hmm. a meth lab yeah. tier, get murdered <laughs> by them. Yep. Or uh, have a Joshua tree fall on you. Yeah. So, Johnny Rulon. Johnny Rulon, uh, son of a bitch. He's uh, promoting his novel, Green Cheek. It's uh, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden place of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Audacity. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Visit them at audacityperformingarts.com. Audacityperformingarts.com. I'm sure they're in schools right now that aren't on strike. (laughs) Somewhere. uh, Yes, somewhere. (laughs) Outside of L.A. County. Um, Chris Parker Howard's uh, podcast, Coffee Over Suicide. It's about mental illness and choosing life over death when copied it. Cup of coffee at a time. That's a good thing. Good. It's a yeah. positive thing. You're doing, like uh, you're doing, doing good, good work. work. I like that. Uh, get caught up on season one before the season two premiere in February, uh, wherever podcasts are found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast and Tea with Alice. I really like tea. Yeah. So I had some I amazing like loose leaf green tea this morning. I always think of Sanai. Mm-hmm. She, turned, she took me to a green tea store in Tokyo. God, it was fantastic. So yeah, now I so need to good. come back and visit. Yes, we do. And buy more tea. Buy more tea. Mm-hmm. I want to just, I wish I had fly to Japan first class. To That's where I bought my tea. Like that kind of money. Right. But and, that's uh, what I, if I was wealthy, I wouldn't care about fancy clothes yeah. or cars or it's a like, mansion. Well, you could get it chipped. Uh, no, ah, I, I got I to gotta pick it up. I need, <laughs> and then I need my... Sanai's my tea sommelier yes. <laughs> to take me to these special stores. Would be even great is if you just bought the tea at the airport and then went turned around. What an <laughs> asshole. Then I should be, then someone should murder me on their camping trip if I did that. I'm a goddamn <laughs> asshole. Well, it's just as good as what's in Tokyo. Yeah, it's I mean, the what's airport. the point? It's yeah. the airport. I already got here. What's the what, what, what else is there to see in <laughs> <Yeah>. Japan? <laughs> I'm going to get crazy rich, fly there to buy my tea. And spend a couple weeks there while my katana's being made mm. for me. And then kill myself at the airport. <laughs> Before or after buying tea? After. <laughs> I, that's, I, will, I will do a Japanese tea mm. ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then seppuku. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was a dark left turn, Aaron. I would recommend before you did that to try to find a... Um, uh, a shogun with a lot of money. Okay. And uh, try to do the suicide grift where uh, you pretend you're going to kill yourself. Then he gives you money to go away. <laughs> I'm doing a Tokyo suicide uh, tea grift. The uh, Lords. There was a, we just saw a movie about that. It was a year or two ago where the, um, I can't remember what the name of it was. Somewhere they went to the forest, right? Was it uh, that one? It was, uh, it was, um, 
No, it was the one where it was that was like the thing, like all these samurai had fallen on hard times and oh, they couldn't make any money. Yeah. So they would go to the lords and say, "Look, I need to come in here and kill myself." I'm like, "I oh, don't want you killing yourself here. Why don't here's some money, just go away." And then uh, one guy called him on his bluff, the one samurai, and said, "Well, okay, all right, we'll no, set it up for that, tomorrow. That, you can kill yourself tomorrow." That was a mm-hmm. remake of a '60s uh, samurai movie. I forget the mm-hmm. name of it, but mm-hmm. yes, I remember because I saw both yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. I saw the '60s remake mm-hmm. at the Arrow Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a double bill with Yojimbo, mm-hmm. and then the remake that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. With I forget who's in it. Is Ken Watanabe in it? I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. it's a blur. It's good. Uh, so anyway, Alice Frazier. <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> Brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. You know, the people that just fast-forwarded through all of these Patreon just missed a really cool topic about uh, suicide grifts and samurais. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, and high-end tea shopping. Um, the shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival in April 2018 with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Go to alicefraser.com. And Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves, we find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories, get inspired, check out The Art, facebook.com slash theartpodcasts with an S. And La Calavera by Calavera. Alan Ross. Story of a pirate radio operator decides to go into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's on Amazon and ebook and hard copy. Forgot to say art podcast. We've both been on it. Yes. Cool podcast. Really fun. Um, and David Hynek, Hynek. A, a composer of contemporary classical music that people actually like. Go to davidheinick.com. H-E-I-N-I-C-K. All right, boom. The, uh, the movie was Harakiri, Death of a Samurai. Harakiri. Yes. Remake of Harakiri. Yep. Ah, thank and you. it came out 2016? 2011. 2011. Oh, right. And the original came out? 62. And the director was? Of the original? Yes. Uh, I don't think we got it as a country. Uh, until Masaki Kobayashi? Yes. Mm-hmm. So Masaki Kobayashi was like, he's... Everybody knows Kurosawa, right? But he's another very well-known guy that just mm-hmm. wasn't as, you know, he's like whatever the Howard Hawks to the John Ford or whatever right. analogy you want to make. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was released in Japan in 2011. But he's the I don't... Mick G to the David Fincher. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you've insulted his entire family, Chris, <laughs> equating it with Mick G. Wow. No, he's a very good filmmaker that just doesn't get the acclaim. That he, yeah. he doesn't have the great body of work. Mm-hmm. Mick G shouldn't be compared to anybody. No, it's true. Other than a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> or David Fincher. Or David Fincher. <laughs> um, but yeah, the it was made in 2011, but I think we didn't get it here till like... No, a couple years later. Yeah. 13 or 14, maybe? I don't... I do not have that information. Yeah, because I, I didn't I remember. It hasn't been that long All since right. we've seen it. Um, okay, so trailers. <gasps> Let's um, you know talk about John Wick Chapter Three. You know, as long as these keep making money, guess what? They're going to keep making them. Well, I think it's more about as long as John Wick is uh, alive, is, is taking care of business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, adding Halle Berry to the mix on this one. How Halle Berry became a dog trailer. Let's see, John Wick Three trailer. Let's bring it up on the big screen, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Somebody is fed up. It's got a great uh, tagline, Parabellum. Of course. Okay, so John Wick 3. 
Jonathan, what have you done? Picking up right after the events of John Wick 2. The impossible dream. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. What I love too is he never wears body armor. Like he's just, it's just it's his tie and his shirt and that's in his coat. Tell is me it? what you want. Oh. Passage. I can't help you. Angela. Do you expect him to make it out? A $14 million bounty on his head. It's a good time to release it because there's so many superhero movies coming out in the summer now. It's like, yeah, just give us an old school action movie, too. John Wick. Dark five seconds. John Wick, excommunicado. Can't really say, well, this is a movie for adults. Two. <laughs> and away we go. He comes back. Yeah. He gives him pills. Riding a horse. Then he shoots a guy in the head with a yeah. horse. Oh, now he's in a sand. Oh, yeah. great. Sophia, we're not going in the, Aquaman in the old days. Just a conversation. Nothing's ever just a conversation with you, John. Well, that is true. Yeah. Just got you there. It's true. Let the dogs out. Yeah. I'm in. Well, finally the dogs get to fight in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want them just talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next one is Miss Bala. Miss? Miss Bala. Yeah. Trailer, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Bala, official trailer. I'm not giving up on my family. Mackie. corrupt officials i'm so happy that you're here well if you hear the word happy in the first line of the movie you know things are going to go south in 30 seconds i was going to be able to come especially people are dancing in a club you always made me feel like family you are my family family so family's important we're happy boy if you take away family from someone who really values it yeah then they're in trouble i bet you they're going to be mad They might want a little thing called What? Hey, American. From Los Angeles. I just want to find my friend. Oh. I need you to do a favor for me Snarled. first. You mess around and I'll kill you both. Park the car real close to the curb. Let's go. Is this you? You have to believe me. They made me do it. The building that you blew up is a DEA safe house. You know how long you'll go away for? Unless you help us get Lino Esparza. Please. Drug dealers. Cartel action. Forget your friends. No one's coming to save you. Whether or not you survive, it's entirely up to you. The guns with uh, 
scopes on them. You're gonna be my queen. She gotta learn how to use one of these. Cabala, the bullet. Cabala said it was everything. Hit me like Ever since you showed up, the police been one step ahead. You better do what you need to do. Totally that must be the lieutenant that the drug dealer doesn't listen to. <laughs> I have a plan. I'm gonna come back for you. There's always the lieutenant's like, I don't trust you. Yeah, I'll let she hear then the police know exactly what we're doing. Shut up, Ramon. Yeah. We're in love. You don't know what you're talking about. In the end, the bullet settles everything. Yeah, it's like your drug dealer uh, has been said. So... All right, not quite a Taken movie, but uh, in the same uh, realm. Well, I tell you, mm. if you're going to just do an action-y, shoot them up, I, mm. I, I like I like a, it's not just a, you, you, you killed my sister, I'm coming right. for you, but mm. like, I love it when somebody is, in, she got jammed up through no fault of her own. Right, now she's in too deep. She is in too deep. <laughs> what does she do? Mm. She's framed. They took yeah. her family. The DEA is running a game. Yeah. How do I get out of this jam? Yeah. Maybe you side with the drug dealer. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Maybe you play both sides against the middle. Maybe you do. <laughs> yeah, you're a triple agent. Maybe you don't know what's going on. Maybe black is white and white is black, Chris. Maybe up is down. Yeah. Maybe rain is sun. <laughs> <laughs> From the uh, director of Twilight. Oh wow, boy! Did Aaron just ruin the party? Sorry to poop in your cereal. We were so excited. No, it's weird. I didn't see that uh, tagline on the trailer. (laughs) Yeah, from the director of Twilight. From the director of Twilight. (laughs) Man, do I not want to see this movie now? I was all excited. Gina Rodriguez taking care of business. Corrupt DEAs. All right. You never know. Well, we'll see. Maybe just needed to get Twilight out of a system. No, we did all four movies. What? No. No, No, just the first one, as yeah. far as I can tell. <laughs> All right, just the first one. All right. So you just took the money. Yeah. Went on a Twilight run. Uh, she. Great. She? Catherine Hardwick. Catherine Hardwick. Oh, Catherine Hardwick. That's right. She's actually, um, she's got a, a fairly impressive resume. All right, so we can't hold the Twilight. No, we can't. Mm-mm. She no. tried to do something different with Twilight. Didn't work. Yeah. That's a, fr- I mean. But again, not her fault. Yeah, I can't blame I mean, her for that. That's, because a, that's a giant franchise with a thousand eyes and notes looking at you. So there's how much could it's she like have done? When, it's like James Bond. Yeah. Or something like that, mm-hmm. where they're just like, no, I want to do this. No, you don't. You're no, going to do this. This no. is what's going to happen. This is the equivalent of a paint by number. It's yeah. like doing a corporate gig. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're like, uh, I got this edgy stuff in my act. That's great. Don't say it tonight. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, save it. Save it. <laughs> And be funny right after they drop the dessert. Right. And um, here's a bunch of uh, employees' names and um, um, affectations. Make fun of them for 40 minutes. Yep. Make fun of them. There's the boss Mm -hmm. and the competitor's name is this. And make fun of them. And And we need to be out in 45 minutes. And we need to be done. (laughs) And here's 10 times what you would normally make. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So we have on DVD Blu-ray, First Man. Uh, I get this movie. I I just didn't like. I really felt like it fell flat. It was it was definitely kind of like an overrated. Ryan Gosling um, was just he was emotionally detached, but through the entire film, which is interesting at first. But after two hours, you're like, well, my God, do something! Like it, it's not. It's one of those things where it it just didn't come together. 
Yeah, um, I mean, there was it got had a lot of flaws. Yeah, it got some production design, I think, nomination, but mm-hmm. that was about it. Yeah, and honestly, it doesn't even deserve that. <laughs> yeah, and it I got sound editing, sound mixing. Um, yeah, no. Which good luck beating. Yeah, uh, Roma. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, but. Well, uh, and the hate you give, and that you saw that. I did see that. I, I really, I really like this movie. It had a really solid message. It's and just weird, like release windows too. Like that was just in the theaters a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. and but I, I don't know. I get it in the sense that like we're in this weird time where you're so you either got to see John Wick or something or Glass or Oscar nominees being re released. Right. So. And the weather's bad in most parts of the country. So why, I guess then why, then do well, this on VOD or something. I'm actually for the shorter release windows. I mean, right. I think I, I think some movies take way too long to come out yeah. on uh, VOD and uh, DVD. And for whatever arbitrary reason the studios do that with specific films, it's not, it's just not the way the market is anymore. You know, people want to see the movie. They want to see it now. They're still going to pay for it. Make it available. Mm-hmm. Let people see it. Um, Johnny English Strikes Back. Uh, I don't even know how many movies have been in this franchise. I'm a fan of Rowan Atkinson. You probably couldn't pay me to see this movie. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of you uh, younger listeners are like, wow, what, what, what has he done that's so great? And like, well, you have to go back to uh, Black Adder and, uh, you know, some of his earlier work. Even like some of the earlier Mr. Bean stuff is actually kind of good slapsticky, mm-hmm. old school stuff, uh, British humor. But his... Uh, I've out always all, hated him. <laughs> out of all the stuff he's done, and he shows up in a ton of movies here and there, like his cameos and other other things, everything from kids' movies to adult movies. And then, um, but then he makes these weird, like Johnny English strikes again. I guess they're kids' movies. I I don't even know because they're they don't really do well here and they don't really fit. So I'm not sure why even bother. <laughs> Just you know, yeah. for the, with a theatrical release for these, I'd say I hate you gives us a good movie, and then I would go out and try to see, you know, Beautiful Boy or right. something like that mm-hmm. before you run out to see Johnny English yeah. goes to college or whatever right. this is. So, um, and the site spotlight and the fan feedback, um, you know, the message boards are getting a little more active. If you want to check out and join the conversation, please do. Uh, we're slowly, slowly building them back up. A couple of you are coming back, and uh, we'd like to keep that up. And, you know, Charlene's doing a great job with the moderating. Thank you so much, Charlene. And Dana Gould merch is still on sale, 20% off. Uh, use the coupon code DANA, and that will be until the end of March. And we are not resupplying anything, so anything that is there, you need to get now. Because uh, not only are we not resupplying it, but they're not reprinting anything. Like the... Um, a lot of the physical merchandise and even the shirts. Um, I think Dana's doing the Bevilacquas right. as a reprint, and that's it. And okay. all the other designs, like the logo and the Opera Man ones, we're the, we're the last place you're going to get them. So if you're a Dana Gould fan, check them out uh, and make sure you do it uh, very soon. Limited limited merch, yeah. guys. It's, mm-hmm. You know, when you do that, we're, we're clearing out the store. We're paring yes. stuff down because we're going to mm-hmm. be going into more production this year. Yes. Uh, and also, you know, when you do that, you're supporting our site. You're supporting mm-hmm. independent artists and comedians. And the other thing, too, is it's merchandise we've already paid for. Mm-hmm. So it, it actually helps us a lot to liquidate this inventory. It's like not only getting a profit, but we get the money back that we spent. Yeah. So it's really helpful to us if you uh, grab stuff in the store. Um, also, the Allison Rosen merch, we are also liquidating. That's 20% off. Use the code SNUGGLE. Oh. So check that out as well. 
Um, all right. And uh, premiering this week. This is such an odd time of the year. It really is. It's, and, it, you know, what's weird is, like, the, the kid who would be king, I would almost put in the same category as Johnny English Strikes Again. It's another, like, weird UK import of a live-action kids movie. And uh, But what I was thinking about it, my kids are not excited to see this. They don't care. And I don't know what it's like in the other countries, but this type of filmmaking um, is becoming a bit obsolete. And the, the reason I say that is because the kids' programming now is a lot different than it used to be many years ago. Like, Disney used to churn out movies like this all the time. You've got, you know, a, a, you know, a Space Man in King Arthur's Court. Right. You've got, you know, Herbie, or the Herbie movies, um, you know, the Apple Dumpling Gang, all of these kinds of movies that were live-action kids' movies. They were coming out all the time. Um, but because of places like Netflix and cable and Amazon, the amount of kids' programming has proliferated and increased. So... The kids that want to go see the movies, it has to be like a big event movie. It's a big animated movie. It's a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, based on a license that, you know, maybe like a SpongeBob that they've seen all the time that going up. But like a, uh, like a live action movie like this that's solely at kids, no adult's going to see this without kids. It's really kind of a dying breed. And the reason is because there's so many other choices for kids now, it's like almost not necessary. So, oh, right. So I think what you know, these, these types of movies, they're even better served of like, well, maybe, you know, as streaming or whatever, because they're, that's true where they're like theatrical releases make no sense because they're so expensive and you're going to get so few people in the theater to see these. Um, I'm not saying don't make them. I'm saying change the way they're released. Yeah. It seems hard to like, you know, we're going to, as a family, we're going to go see Mary Poppins. Right. You know, we're not going to go see a weird British movie about a kid who's going to be King Arthur. as a family now and as kids they're going to want to see the superhero movies how to train your dragon all those are the ones they're going to ask to go see like something like this from like "Eh, it doesn't really excite them the other movie is serenity it's the trailer we watched a um uh, a week or two ago and it's the one that we watched multiple times because it seems to be like every time we we see this trailer. The movie gets pushed back the release date like another six to eight months, but it, it's finally being released. I swear I saw this trailer before Infinity War. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. This trailer, yeah. they've been running this trailer for a year. Right. Like, it's got a $25 million budget, and mm-hmm. if it didn't have Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway in it, right. it would have been buried a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it probably keep, would never get released. They keep hoping it's going to somehow... We're going to get some money something, back Something, and yeah. it just mm-hmm. looks make, maybe, like it makes no sense. Maybe they're right. taking my advice and making this a backdoor Jaws remake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. That would be the greatest movie con ever. Like, you know, and that never even mentioned it. Just the four people that are going to go see this movie are like, there was a giant shark in this movie. Whoa, I wasn't who knew? expecting that. So a year of trailers <laughs> yeah. is the, that's the longest MacGuffin right. <laughs> you could ever implement. Okay. Well, that is our show, Graham. That is our show. Mm-hmm. Episode 451, Chris. Mm-hmm. It's halfway to 902. Yeah, we're really getting there. We're, we're excited. 902 is going to be big. Mm-hmm. I, I've been planning. If a there's ni- still a planet, I think 902 is going to be a great episode. Right. It might be more of a post-apocalyptic get-together. Mm-hmm. More of a like, hey, bring water and canned food. Yeah, and we'll talk about classic movies when they used to uh, show them. Yeah, and <laughs> make sure everybody has their own crossbow so the hordes don't invade, but it'll be fun. Yeah, and uh, bring your own bandages. Yeah, bring your own If anyone's an EMT, you're right. more than you get in free. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, 902. 
It's going to be great. Yes. <laughs> We're going to celebrate episode 500 this year. We are from a shelter. Do you think it's going to go down this quick? you think it's going to yeah. end before the end of the year? I think that's the um, the beginning of the end. Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to still live in shelters for another five to ten years before things really go south. All right. But we should have a, we should have an episode 500 something. We should, for definitely. Maybe someone should fly us to Australia. Or that's not a bad idea. Or maybe or back to Japan. Or maybe we go to Japan so I can get some tea. I think that's a great idea. And... The the end of the fifth hundred five episode five hundred is me killing myself at the <laughs> via Skype via Skype. <laughs> I'll make it a Patreon tier, mm-hmm. Sepaku tier. Yeah, that's um, Skypeku. Huh? Skypeku. 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 <laughs> Aaron yeah. Brungart, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Somebody can be your virtual second. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who wants to be my virtual Kaishaku? <laughs> Skypeku. Oh God, I got. I love a good marketing slogan. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thanks for thanks for listening. We're going to be doing a little, uh, just a, again, a bonus episode with the Oscar nominations, and of course, we will. I'm working on getting Doug Benson in here to do our yes. annual uh, should will will hood will who will should will should win will win. Exactly. That's what it'll be. <laughs> We've only been doing that episode for eight years. I don't know why it's hard for me to remember. Um, thank you to our guest, Nobody. Yes. And well done. We'll thank you for you all the comedians that either don't respond or cancel at the last minute. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so That's much. Two weeks in the row of that. Yeah. Well done, everybody. Way to go. <laughs> Suck wads. <laughs> Suck holes. Um, my name's Graham Elwood. So, oh, I did want to mention Oh, this. So I'm sorry. I, there's I, more stuff. Yeah, there's, a, there's an announcement. Um, I do. I've been talking about long ago and far away. I have a publishing announcement Ooh. to make. Yes, uh, Starburns Industries, Dan Harmon's company, will be publishing it and breaking it up into uh, digital comics, eight digital comics, and then releasing the um, the entire thing digitally after that. Awesome! So very excited to be working with Dan Harmon's company on this, and uh, I will let you guys know when it is up on Comicsology. But in the meantime, if you can't wait. Buy the hard copy at the Comedy Film Nerd store, and I will uh, sign it for you. It's a fun read, man. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, and it was another another um, thing way that, to support, way to support yeah. the show, and and it's just it's awesome. And uh, I'm doing Political Vigilante live in Hollywood, January 30th. My special guest is Jimmy Dore, um, headlining all the zanies, the end of Chicago, and then Progressive Comedy Tour is coming in March to Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, Oxford, Mississippi. Um, New Orleans and Pensacola. So all those tour dates are at Graham Elwood. When's the uh, Sanies tour? You said you're uh... February 21st through March 2nd. Okay. I'm doing three nights in St. Charles, three nights in downtown Chicago. So and... You're doing the Sanies the end of Chicago. You said so. What oh. would be? <laughs> well, Chicago is going to be done <laughs> by the end of February. Chicago is going to be off the map. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we, we just need to know when that is. Yeah, it's just a plan. <laughs> yeah. Plan accordingly, guys. There will be no more City of Chicago come March, so come see me headline. Skype Cago. Yeah. <laughs> Skype Cago, guys. Uh, one of the um, Pacific Rim monsters is going to... Kaijus. is going to come out of Lake Michigan right. and devour... So definitely want to see me tell uh, jokes mm-hmm. at the Zanies, the end of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Go to grandmelwood.com for Skype, sh- Skype Cago. <laughs> well, that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. 
so uh, we will be back next week. Actually, uh, stay tuned. We'll be having the um, the reactions to the Academy Award nominations that will be released uh, very shortly. So my name is Chris Mancini. I'm Graham Elwood. And remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. We did that in the other order. It screwed I know, me up. It just threw me off. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs>